Good morning, Thursday Connect ladies. Thank you guys for joining me today for Thursday Connect Online. It is currently 12 in the afternoon here in Rome. My name is Cherry and I'm the service producer at the International Christian Fellowship of Rome. And I'm so, so happy that you tuned in today as we continue to study from our book, Trustworthy by Lisa Turquoise. Um, I hope everyone is having a good day. I hope you guys are all well. I'm so excited to be doing this study with you today. I have my notes here um, about the chapter that we're going to be doing today. I hope you guys have that as well. Before we start, I actually would just um, like to give a couple of minutes before um, we go ahead because I know others are going to be signing in and joining us for Bible study today. Remember that Thursday Connect is fun and interactive, so I want to see all of you buzzing in the chats with your answers and your amens and, you know, just anything that the Lord has really placed on your hearts um, as you listen today or even throughout the study of this amazing book. It could be scripture, it could be a word. Just put it all in the chat. Um, I'm definitely going to be checking that later on. Thank you so much for being interactive. It's really, really a blessing to me and also to others who are going to watch this video, whether now or later on in the future. And also, as always, please let us know your name and where you are watching us from. My name is Cherry and I'm here in a beautiful city of Rome. So it's really, really simple. I know that we have people from different parts of the world who watch us um, every week, even from different time zones. So even though it's 12 in the afternoon here in Rome, it may be either earlier or later for you, depending on where you're watching us from. So I would actually just like to start by asking you, what are you drinking right now? So for example, here it's quite early in the day, so I actually have a cup of tea. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But no, for real, I actually have a cup of tea. This is actually just fresh ginger with a squeeze of lemon and a teaspoon of honey. Um, just to really keep me going for this um, chat. Um, so just let me know in the chat. What are you drinking right now? Is it coffee because it's early where you are? Is it tea, you know, because it's cold? Um, or is it simply water because you just want to hydrate? Or is it just nothing? Are you just not drinking anything? Um, let us know in the chat. Um, please type that in. And um, another question I would like to ask you is, what do you do for fun? Think about that. What what do you do for fun in your spare time or in your not so spare time? Because we all need a breather once in a while. I know I do. Um, so for example, in my case, I enjoy shopping for fun. Oh, all my shoppers in the chat. Let me see you. I love shopping for clothes, shoes, makeup. Honestly, even grocery shopping because I enjoy cooking as well. That's what I do for fun. So let me know in the chat. Um, be interactive. Let us know what you do for fun. I cannot wait to see all the answers. I'm definitely going to be reading through that later. Like I said, I know our pastors will. I know our entire ICF from family around, uh, 
I see a family around the world who will be checking that too. Um, and please, please, please feel free to leave a comment as you watch, even if you watch us at a later date. It's never, ever too late to interact with us at ICF Rome. You're always welcome. There are going to be some links in the chat for you if you want to send us an email for a prayer request or just want to share a testimony with us. We're always here and always available. So I think that's a few minutes gone. So we're going to go ahead. And I'm going to start by opening us up in prayer and just inviting the Lord into our presence right now. So will you just lift up your hands and close your eyes and just pray with me right now? Can you just do that together? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this gathering this morning, oh God. I thank you for everything. Heavenly Father, we believe and we trust in your word, oh God. We thank you for giving us another day that we can come together and study your word because all we want to do is grow closer to you. All we want to do is to be in your presence and remain in your presence, our God. So today we pray for wisdom. We pray for clarity for everything we learn today, oh God. Let it resonate within our hearts, within our souls, so that we can use it and continue to do your work for your glory, oh God. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We invite you into this place. Holy Spirit, come into this place right now. Wherever you are, wherever you are watching, we invite you into this study. We invite you into our presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus for being with us today for being with us in this moment in the mighty name of jesus amen 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 okay so just a quick summary of um last week our dear sister mary Carey, who i'm sure is gonna be in the chats leaving us those inspirational um, verses that she always does. Uh, Mary Carey, thank you so much for leading last week's discussion on King David, which can be found, I believe, in page 22 of our book. Again, it is called Trustworthy by Lisa Turquoise. And I'm sure the name is going to be written in the chat as well if you want to check the book out, if you don't already um, have it. So, yeah, so thank you, Mary, so much for that wonderful discussion on King David last week. I was truly blessed and very inspired by the word that day. So I would just like you all right now in the chat, if you can, can you just type in what stuck out to you from last week's discussion? Because I know I was blessed. And I was truly inspired. So just type that in the chat right now. One thing that stuck out to you. If it was a, a verse or a word or just a lesson, just type that in the chat right now. Um, so Mary gave us a very good background on the genealogy of David, which can be found in Ruth chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. Um, and we actually end up finding out that David is actually the great grandson of Ruth. You know, how amazing is that? How amazing is that legacy? The, Ruth, the woman we know, um, who's a woman of faith and loyalty. So just how amazing to see that thread just going down, you know, from one generation to the other. The Bible is truly, truly an amazing book. And we also read from... Um, I have my notes in front of me. We read from 1 Samuel 
of chapter 16 from verse 6 to 23. Um, for those who joined last week or, you know, watched um, later on, can you also type in the chat just what stuck out to you from this passage? That's 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 16, verse 6 to 23. Just, you know, what, what stuck out to you from this passage? So, for example, for me, it was what God told Samuel about um, not looking at the outward appearance but really looking inward into man's heart, it really just resonates with me in the sense that I know that our Father, our Heavenly Father, knows me more than I know myself. He knows my heart. He knows my potential, my full potential. He knows parts of me that I haven't even seen or even imagined yet. So that's something that really, really stuck out to me from that patch is that God sees what man does not see. He sees what even you do not see. So it was just very interesting to go through all that. Thank you again for that, Mary. Um, just very, very inspirational. Um, so today we are going to move from King David to King Solomon who is the son of David. Today's study is actually centered on King Solomon, who is famous for being the wisest and the richest man alive. Um, and our first verse, our first Bible verse today is going to be taken from 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 to 25. And I'm just going to read through that very quickly from the message version. And it says, then David confessed to Nathan, I've sinned against God. Nathan pronounced, yes, but that's not the last word. God forgives your sin. You won't die for it. But because of your blasphemous behavior, the son born to you will die. After Nathan went home, God afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David. He came down sick. David prayed desperately to God for the little boy. He fasted, wouldn't go out, and slept on the floor. The elders in his family came in and tried to get him off the floor, but he wouldn't budge. Nor could they get him to eat anything. On the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell him. They said, what do we do now? While the child was living, he wouldn't listen to a word we said. Now, with the child dead, if we speak to him, there's no telling what he'll do. David noticed that his, the servants were whispering behind his back and realized that the boy must have died. He asked the servants, is the boy dead? Yes, they answered, he's dead. David got up from the floor, washed his face, combed his hair, put on a fresh change of clothes, then went into the sanctuary and worshipped. Then he came home and asked for something to eat. They set, him, they set it before him and he ate. His servants asked him, what's going on with you? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept and stayed up all night. Now that he's dead, you get up and eat. While the child was alive, he said, I fasted and wept, thinking God might have mercy on me and the child would live. But now that he's dead, why fast? Can I bring him back now? I can go to him, but he can't come to me. David went and comforted his wife Bathsheba 
And when he slept with her, they conceived a son. When he was born, they named him Solomon. God had a special love for him and sent word by Nathan, the prophet, that God wanted him named Jedidiah, God's beloved. Amen. Amen. That was from 2 Samuel um, chapter 12, verse 13 to 25. So from the scripture, we can tell in summary that David and Bathsheba had just lost a son. He died as a result of um, their sin. And now there's a whole backstory that the author um, cites, which will be explored next week. So don't miss that. But in short summary, they lost a son, but God soon provides another son. Now, from the reading, we can tell that Solomon's name is derived from the Hebrew word shilim, which means to replace or to restore. So by this translation, we can tell that the birth of Solomon shows the great forgiveness and tenderness of God. He did not hold a grudge against David or Bathsheba. The days of blessing and fruitfulness were not over for David. People may not forgive, but God forgives. He forgives sinners. He's merciful and compassionate, and his grace overflows. So even though man may not forgive, our God forgives. So keeping that in mind, let's look at the first question in the reading, which can be found on page 32. And it says, keeping that in mind, why do you think David and Bathsheba named their son Solomon? Type your answers in the chat. Why, why do you think David and Bathsheba named their son Solomon? Is it... You know, the, the author tells us that Solomon was the gracious gift God gave to bring restoration to David and to Bathsheba in the midst of their pain. So now I want to take away just the last few words of this sentence, in the midst of their pain. To restore, to bring restoration, to restore what was lost, to bring restoration and peace in the midst of their pain. Isn't it amazing to know that our God can provide, he can restore, he can heal, he can protect in the middle of any and every circumstance? It doesn't matter at what point you are or where you are in your life. Our God can come meet you at that point of need. Can someone type that in the chat that our God can? He can heal, he can restore, he forgives, he can protect. Write that in the chat, he can, our God can, he can. In the middle of any and every circumstance, our God can. So these last few words really spoke out to me. And then in verse 25, we continue. And in the book, she asks, what other name was given to Solomon? What did this other name mean. Look in the footnotes of your Bible for help. Now we know that his other name was Jedidiah. If we look at verse 25, verse 25, which says, 
God had a special love for him and sent word by Nathan, the prophet, that God wanted him named Jedediah, which means God's beloved. It was God's way of saying that he would love and bless this son of David and Bathsheba. Not a son or any son, but this son. This name was special. It was personalized. It was unique. You know, going through this whole study has really, really highlighted to me the importance of names. Names are important. Can you type that in the chat? Names are important. In Solomon's case, his name was God's way of saying, you were my beloved, regardless of the circumstances around your birth, regardless of what person A or what person B did or did not do five or 10 years ago. This is your name because I love you, because I formed you, and I know you and the plans that I have for your life and your future. Names are important. You know, I'm Nigerian, and the English translation of my Igbo birth name, um, Chinyere, actually means God-given, a gift from God, something that God gave you. And, you know, I'm very, very thankful that my birth parents gave me this name um, because I do believe that names are more than just a bunch of letters grouped together to sound pleasant, um, to the ear, or, you know, a convenience for allowing people to talk together or to label things. It's Names are a gift from God. Names, these words, contain his power. They give things meaning and they bring us meaning. So like I said, I'm grateful for such a blessed name given to me by my parents. But I am even more grateful for the new name, the new identity that I received when I decided to follow Jesus. When God gave me my name and he said that I am a new creation in Jesus Christ, that the old is gone and the new has come. Names give meaning and bring us meaning. And God's word is helping me, has helped me understand the meaning of my name, my identity in Christ, and the kind of character that I should seek, one of surrender, one of good character to live life with joy and love. So I'm just going to read the first paragraph of from page 33, where she says, so here's what we do know about Solomon's name. He is called Solomon, based on all that we've studied about the naming of Solomon, Jedediah. We can know from the beginning of his life, he was both a gift of restoration for David and Bathsheba, used by God to establish peace within Israel during his reign, and he was deeply loved by God. So this paragraph, I feel really, really engulfs why Solomon was given his name, Jedediah. So today I want to ask you, and you can type it in the chat, you can meditate on it. What is your name? What are you calling yourself? Is it favor? Is it blessing? 
Is it victory? What are you even calling those around you? What do you call others? Are you speaking life? Are you speaking hope? You know, in the beginning of this chapter, the author writes about um, the birth of their child. And they say, she said that hope was born in the midst of a hard time in their marriage. So what name are you calling yourself? Are you calling yourself based on your circumstances of what you're going through, of the point of your life that you're in? What are you really speaking to yourself? Think about that for a minute. Names are important. Not just what we are called, but what we call other people and other things as well. So we can see that Solomon, just by virtue of his name, was God's beloved. Excuse me. Tea time. <laughs> Sorry. So we can tell just by virtue of Solomon's name that he was chosen. He was more than chosen. He was born out of God's love. He was his beloved. But we can tell that Solomon was only one of King David's 19 sons. Now, let's pause here for a minute. I'm the youngest of four children. Imagine 19. Like, where, how would you feel? Would you feel ignored? Would you feel special? Like, how would you feel? But it's, you know, it. this did not stop the destiny that God had for Solomon, his birthright or his place in the order of, you know, kinghood did not stop him from what God had destined, what God had planned for him. So let's, we're going to quickly read from 1 Kings verse chapter 2, verse 15. And in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 15, it actually talks about Adonijah, who is one of um, Solomon's brothers, his older brother, actually. Um, and the first question here says, why did Adonijah think he should be king? So go ahead and type your answer in the chat, because I really, really want us to talk through this Um do you think it was because, you know, he was far ahead in the line of succession than Solomon? Um, was he more handsome, a better warrior? Was it because the people declared it so? Because if you see in the end of verse 15, he says, all of Israel looked to me as king. He actually says, you know that I had the kingdom right in my hands and everyone expected me to be king. Then the whole thing backfired and the kingdom landed on my brother's lap. God's doing. So is it because people were looking to him as king? People, not God, because people chose him to be their king? Let us know in the chat what you think. The next question says, from your study so far and your knowledge of the rest of scripture, name some other times God chose someone other than the obvious for a position. Now, I'm sure that Adonijah thought, well, I am, you know, 
fourth or one of the first in the line of succession. Therefore, I have a right to the throne before my brother. He may have had his reasons, but we all know who has the final say. We know who has the final say. So let's go ahead and answer this question. I'm sure we all have a list of example. You know, you don't have to go too far or really, really think too hard for examples because there's quite a plethora of this. Um, but the top of my list really has to be King David. You know, the, the prophet was sent by God to anoint a son of Jesse to be King Saul's successor. And obviously the most immediate, you know, choice that um, Samuel was impressed by was Jesse's eldest son, Eliab. You know, he was physically impressive and, you know, he had the looks and everything. And he even said, oh, surely the, the Lord's anointed is before me. But Samuel was mistaken and God rebuked him. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Now, as the youngest son, David was probably used to being overlooked or unnoticed or discounted. He was, I'm guessing, a teenager at that time. Uh, maybe even younger, you know, um, he was certainly an unlikely candidate for what Samuel was looking for. Even his own father thought he was too young to be invited to the feast. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 27, and I'm going to read from the message version, this says... Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential. Not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything. Someone type everything in the chat. Everything. Say everything. Everything we have. Right thinking and right living. A clean slate. A fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. And that was 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 27 in the message version. We can see that God chooses the young, the weak, the surprising, even the dead. We all know Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. Remember him. I'm sure you know. He, he, was, he, he was dead. But God cho chooses these people. Why? So God gets all the glory so that we will not boast in our own abilities. We will not blow our own horn because we know where our help, where our strength, where our joy comes from. And that is God. 
God chose David and now God also chose Solomon, who was known as the wisest man to have ever lived. So tell me, in your own words, how do you define wisdom? Pretty tough, right? Do you define wisdom by, you know, the 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 most degrees or the the person who can say the alphabet backwards? Hmm? Tell me. How do you define true wisdom? Let's quickly read 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 3 to 14. And that's um, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3 to 14. And I am going to be reading in the NIV version. And it says, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servants, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Mm. Highlight that. Highlight that verse. Verse 9. Very important. The Lord was pleased that Solomon has asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me, and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. That was 1 Kings chapter 3 from verse 3 to 14 in the NIV. Let's see your answers in the chat. How would you define wisdom? Well, it's pretty simple. In the book of Job chapter 28 verse 8, um, it says fear of the Lord is true wisdom. His heavenly wisdom, his divine understanding. Is he your source of wisdom? Or is it 
the internet or social media? How do you define wisdom? Let's see your answers in the chat. I'm very, very sure that your very inspirational answers will bless someone, whether today or tomorrow or whenever or wherever they watch. Here it says, the author actually says, we'll need wisdom straight from God. Heavenly wisdom. For decision making, for helping others, for understanding another person's point of view. Why do you think Solomon asked for wisdom? And how does his request highlight his trusting God at that point in his life? Why do you think a, a king, a mighty king, who comes from this powerful, great legacy, needs wisdom from God? I think personally, and even though I'm answering, I'm going to be going into the chat later to see all your answers. So don't leave me hanging. <laughs> um, I... I think it really shows the earnest humility of Solomon's heart um, and his thirst for wisdom, not only for himself, but as a guide so that he can lead the people that God has entrusted him to. Um, just studying this scripture um, really just showed me that Solomon's strongest desire, his deepest desire was to do God's work right. And the work that God gave him at this particular time is to be king, is to be ruler. That should be our end game, to do God's work right. Whether it's to be a king, whether it's to serve, whether if it's to teach, to sing, to design, whatever it is, our strongest desire should be to do God's work right. He just wanted to govern God's people in a way that would be pleasing to God. And that's not with money. That's not by wishing all your enemies dead. Our strongest desire in everything we do should always to see God in everything, to see his purpose for us, the work, his work, to do it the right way. And that was what was on Solomon's heart. And, you know, God answered him. He, he, he answered him. If you look in verse 12, he says, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before and none like like you shall rise after you because of this request god set him apart from others he set him apart from others in his time he set him apart from other kings that none shall be like you and none shall rise after you isn't that amazing that when you have heavenly wisdom, wisdom that comes from God, wisdom that comes from above. You are set apart. So beautiful to know. Let me ask you guys this. Why was it good for him, Solomon, to request wisdom? Do you believe he should have requested for something else? Or simply... 
he just shouldn't have asked for anything at all. You know, he was a young man with so many possibilities offered to him. Um, you know, humans, we're offered many different choices and different possibilities on a daily basis. He could have easily asked for something else. He could have easily asked for nothing at all. Why do you think it was good for him to request wisdom? Type it in the chat. We all need wisdom for decision-making, for helping others, for understanding another person's viewpoint. As the author said, it's, wisdom is key to living a godly and holy life. A life full of joy, a life full of peace, a life full of mercy, wisdom from God. There is nothing like it. So, in the end, the author writes that we should spend a moment asking God for wisdom. Um... You know, you may need wisdom for a specific situation. If you're a young adult, maybe regarding what you want to study in college or what you want to do with your career, or it can even be about personal relationships or health decision or finance decision. It can even be something like, what country should I move to? What We need wisdom in every aspect of life. And Having God's wisdom, heavenly wisdom, you can never go wrong. Having God's wisdom, hearing his words, having it guide you on a daily basis, surrendering to him, listening to his guidance. There is nothing worth more than heavenly wisdom. So today, as we wrap up, I would like us to say a prayer. And um, you can, you know, during time of prayer, you can stand up um, if you like and walk around and pray. Get on your knees, um, lift your hand up. And what I do when I pray, and I don't know if anyone else does this, sometimes I have my hands um, on my head like this and I just pray and I just declare God's word on me as I pray scripture as I you know um, pray for my family for others I just place my hands on my head and just feel free to do the same feel free in his presence be free in his presence pray as the spirit leads so I'm going to lead us in prayer right now. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this Bible study. Thank you for being here in our presence, oh God. Thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God, that we feel you with us today. Father God, today we pray for your wisdom. We pray, Father God, for your wisdom. In the book of James 1, verse 5, Father God, it says that we should ask 
for wisdom and that you will give it generously and that you will not rebuke us for asking. So, Father God, today we stand on that promise, oh God. We claim it today, Father God. We claim the wisdom. Father God, help us to be humble and teachable. Help us to grow in you as you see fit, oh God. Help us to grow in your wisdom as you define it, as you speak it, oh God. We pray that you fill us with your wisdom from above, wisdom that is pure, wisdom that is full of mercy, wisdom that is, that, that, that is full of love, that is sincere. Hold us back from leaning on our own understanding, oh God, as you increase the depth of our insight by your spirit, oh God. Let us see more of you and less of us, oh God, more of your wisdom, more of your understanding and less of our humanly understanding, Father God. Let your spirit increase in us as we decrease, oh God, as our humanly thoughts decrease, oh God, more of you and less of us, Jesus. Father God, I just thank you for this time together, this blessed time together that we have joined to grow together in your word, oh God. Oh God, may the things that we have heard today, the thoughts that you have resonated within us, that you have shared to us, oh God, stir our spirits and, and resonate in our lives as we walk in our daily faith in our daily walk with you, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus. All this we ask for in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining me today. Thank you. I hope you were blessed by this word. I know even while doing the study, I was blessed immensely. And I hope someone heard my heart today. Um, so just a few announcements before we go. Um, I would like to remind you all um, about our ministry expo. So we will be having our ministry exhibitions um, to allow everyone to know a little bit more about each ministry department. This event will actually take place on campus after our Sunday service. It will be happening this Sunday um, the, on May 30th at 1.30 p.m. after second service on campus. So if you've been called to serve, which I believe we all are, you know, this month at ICF, Rome is ready for the call. So don't miss this opportunity to sign up and to serve. If you're new to our church and would love to serve, even if you're not new and you're not serving, even if you are unsure what area to serve, this is an opportunity for you that you cannot miss. The Ministry Expo is designed to allow you to speak to each ministry leader um, so you can underst understand the task at hand. For example, I am the service producer and also the ministry team leader of the media sound and production departments, also the online ministry departments, and that involves a lot of um, creative design and a lot of video production and a lot of um, online outreach dialogues. And we also have a Zoom tech team that I also had. And, you know, um, we do a lot. So if you're interested in joining that ministry, this would be a very amazing opportunity for you to come connect with me and all other leaders. Um, so please don't miss this opportunity. The registration link will be put in the chat down below. 
And um, also, don't forget to join Sunday service. Remember to register. You have to register, so please register. Um, the link to register will also be put in the chat, so don't miss that. Remember, Sunday on campus, 10 a.m. and 11.45 a.m. That's first service and second service. On Sundays, 11.45 a.m. online. You can watch us on the Facebook and YouTube plat platform, so don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. ICF Rome and don't forget to like and subscribe to our Facebook page. Um, we're also on live stream. We also have a podcast in English and Italian and Spanish. So there's many ways that you can connect with us. Please visit our website for more information. Thank you for joining us today and I will see you next week. Thank you and God bless you.